What can we expect from Jonathan Quick this season? We are going to be talking with Mr. Eddie Garcia of Locked On Kings about that very topic. Also, diving into the off-seasons for both the Rangers and the Kings. All this and much, much more on today's crossover episode of Locked On Rangers and Locked On Kings. You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back Rangers fans and Kings fans to this very special crossover edition here. This is John Chick with Locked On Rangers, joined, of course, by my friend Eddie Garcia of Locked On Kings. And Eddie, I I figure we might as well just jump right into it here. Obviously, Jonathan Quick puts together a legendary career with the Los Angeles Kings, uh, two Stanley Cups with them, one with the Knights, uh, Conn Smythe Trophy, All-Star Selections, you name it, he pretty much did it. Um, Just for starters, uh, what is it like for you to now, you know, beginning with this past season, seeing him play for for teams other than the Los Angeles Kings, especially after, you know, obviously, again, just a legendary career with the Kings. Uh, it's definitely a little bit weird. I'm sure Rangers fans can relate when Henrik Lundqvist left uh, and ended up joining a division rival briefly uh, with the Washington Capitals. He didn't go on to win a Stanley Cup with them, which would have made it a little bit more awkward. But yeah, it is weird. I think um, a lot of us did think that Jonathan Quick would end his career in an L.A. Kings uniform. We just saw Dustin Brown, you know, announce his retirement not long ago. Um, Just had his jersey retirement to this past season. Uh, He was obviously a a player that was like Jonathan Quick, drafted, played his whole career, won two cups, and then retired as an L.A. King. Um, We're certainly hoping that the kind of the core members that are still left over from those two Stanley Cup winning teams, Andre Kopitar, Jonathan Quick, and Drew Doughty, would also do what, Uh, Dustin Brown had done that wasn't the case for Jonathan Quick unfortunately but as we know in sports sometimes these uh, stories don't have those uh, kind of uh, scripts the Hollywood scripts like here in Los Angeles uh, that we would like them to have Um, and and you know it was a very difficult decision for the Kings organization to make it was a very difficult decision for the Kings fan base to swallow in many different ways but it is it is weird uh, certainly to see him with another team. It was very awkward to see him playing for a division rival and having the fan base be kind of fractured over, do we root for him uh, or not? And for people yeah. who were, the people that weren't rooting for him because of the team he was playing on didn't like that. And so definitely a lot of mixed emotions. It's a lot easier for to swallow for him to play in the Eastern Conference with a non-division rival now with the New York Rangers. Yeah, he's farther away. You know, obviously there's, I mean, they met each other in the 2014 Cup Finals, obviously, but beyond that, there's not really a ton of history between these teams, and unless I'm just forgetting something big that happened. But, um, you know, I just want to ask you, because Jonathan Quick, uh, former third-round pick, you know, obviously you take somebody in the third round, you like them, I'm sure you feel good about the pick and everything, but, I mean, to see this kind of a career unfolding for him probably would have been hard to do. Uh, So I'm just wondering, man, what was it like watching this, like in real time, seeing Jonathan Quick go from like, you know, a third round selection to, okay, he's on the team now to, wow, this guy looks pretty good to, dude, this guy might be one of the best. I mean, what was that like just watching the whole thing unfold and, and, you know, just starting to slowly realize, you know, as Ranger fans did with Lundqvist that, okay, this is our guy. Um, What was that like, you know, that whole thing unfolding with Jonathan Quick there? It was pretty unexpected, to be honest with you. And uh, keeping it in the news, Jonathan Bernier just retired from the NHL. He was the Kings' number one pick and goalie of the future. We thought it was going to be Jonathan Bernier, and maybe this quick guy could be the number two. Uh, It didn't turn out that way. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. And the the team uh, that won the Stanley Cup in 2012, Bernier, was the backup. And after that season, ended up going elsewhere. But uh, yeah, it it was not expected because, again, 
Jonathan Bernier, 11th overall pick, thought he was going to be the guy. Everybody thought he was the goalie of the future, but sometimes things uh, don't work out that way. So I think for Jonathan Quick, um, you know, something that you ended up realizing, uh, one of the most competitive athletes I've ever been around, um, doesn't matter if it's practice or an exhibition game or the game or Stanley Cup final. Um, he's a guy that is very intense. He's very locked in. He's one of those guys that you don't talk to day of the game, you know, like he's just, he's very locked in, very competitive and, uh, very athletic as well. So he used those things to combine them, to turn himself into a number one goalie in the NHL, uh, and, and, you know, just made some spectacular saves, obviously had some good teams around him. Um, but just a guy that you had supreme confidence in that if you made a mistake, he was a guy who could erase those mistakes behind you. And that just fills you with a lot of confidence, you know, good teams, I think build from the net out. And, uh, certainly it was, it was great to have him as that anchor back there, knowing that he not only was going to make the saves he was supposed to make, but every once in a while, he'd make a highlight reel save, a spectacular sprawling save, you know, a scorpion save, you know, with his pads up in the air, something crazy like that wasn't out of the ordinary for him. So, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, the, the, one of the main reasons why they won the Stanley cup, uh, in 2014, uh, carrying that there 2012, I should say, uh, carrying that team to the Stanley cup final win the Consumite trophy, as you said, but, it was like I said. It, it started unexpectedly, but eventually um, he built himself into a, a great goalie. Um, and I, and I think, with all due respect to Rogi Vashon, who was certainly before my time, uh, he Jonathan Quick is the greatest goaltender in Kings history, and he's going to have his jersey retired somewhere soon after he calls it quits. Don't know when that's going to be. If it's after this season or not, I kind of thought it was going to be after skating with the cup one more time. But he decided to return close at home and play for his his childhood uh, favorite team. Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually going to ask you about that, so we might as well just talk about that now. But, I mean, Jonathan Quick, you know, obviously he could have gone out with one last Stanley Cup. But, you know, to your point, he comes back. He's from Connecticut. Uh, he's back in the area playing for the Rangers. Um, does that – I mean, were you surprised that he kept it going? You kind of alluded that you were there. Um, but it just seems like he's somebody that loves the game. And as you mentioned, he's very competitive. I mean, is it surprising at all to you that he's back this season, you know, playing one more season with the Rangers? It is and it isn't. Um I really didn't think that he would be a backup goalie in the NHL. I thought that his competitive nature that I mentioned uh, and all of that would lend him to to not want to be a guy wearing the baseball cap sitting on the bench for most of the season. That said, um, he had a conversation with Kings president and Hall of Famer Luke Robitaille. Shortly after the trade to Columbus, Luke wanted to reach out and just let him know Hey, you know, this, I know it's, I know there's hard feelings the way this went down. Um, but you know, you're still a huge part of the Kings family. Uh, you always are going to be, you'll always be a LA Kings legend. And we just want to make sure that, you know, as an organization that we appreciate everything you did and you're always welcome here in Los Angeles, that kind of thing, which I thought was a, an appropriate thing to do because again, um, there were, there was some hard feelings with the way that went down. And you can understand that. But um, one of the things that Luke said was that he told Jonathan Quick, um, play as long as you can, because once your career's over, it's over. And you don't want to look back and say, I could have played another year or whatever. As long as you still have a passion for the game and you still feel like you can play, my advice is play as long as you can. And I don't know how much Jonathan Quick took that to heart. If he felt that way already, if that was something that just encouraged him to give it another go, 
But I really thought he was going to hang it up after getting one more cup with Vegas. Um, but I think perhaps, and I haven't heard any interviews with him, so maybe you could know better than I, but perhaps playing for the team that he rooted for as a kid, he idolized, idolized Mike Richter when he was growing up, as you mentioned, in Connecticut, getting to go back home, so to speak, into the to the East Coast and play for at least one more season probably was too good of an offer for him to pass up. And so he wanted to at least play one more year and and take Luke's advice. And, you know, if you still have a passion for it and somebody still wants to pay you, why not? Yeah, I don't know if he's explicitly said that, but you kind of connect the dots a little bit. You know he is from the area. I would imagine, you know, he's still got friends and family. They'll be able to much easier get to the games, you know, people that live around here. And uh, to your point, you know, idolizing Mike Richter and being a Ranger fan, um, I, I think it just kind of makes sense for everything to just kind of come full circle for Jonathan Quick here. You know, I don't know if this is going to be his last season. I mean, who knows? He's only on a one-year deal. Maybe he likes it here. Maybe he plays well here. And uh, maybe he's back with the Rangers on another one-year deal, you know, going into next season. Who knows how far he's going to take this thing. But um, something you touched on a minute ago, and I'm going to ask you about it in just a second, is um, you know, just this transition. You know, Jonathan Quick and backup goalie, those two uh, phrases don't really go together. You know, you just think of him as, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. So we'll talk about that and the transition, how you think he might be able to adjust to, uh, you know, such a transition. Uh, we'll do that in just a second. But first, uh, Eddie, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Los Angeles Kings is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. I drink it every morning. It's the first thing I do when I get out of bed. It's what I do before I drink or before I record Locked On New York Rangers, before I do anything active, before I start my day. Got to have AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category, and AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies, and a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1, and it's why I'm a huge fan with every daily serving. I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps you and just about everybody take care of their health every day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network and check it out. All right, and uh, Eddie and I would like to thank everybody, as always, for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And uh, so, yeah, Eddie, as I alluded to just a second ago, it's the first time in Jonathan Quick's career, and I mentioned this on my show a little bit as well, where he is entering a season as, like, the clear-cut backup, like, no debate, no conversation to be had. He's clearly in a backup role now. And... You know, I'm just wondering, you know, kind of from a practical standpoint, because Quick has, you know, fallen off a little bit in recent seasons. His numbers have, you know, gone down a little bit, as they do when players get older. But do you think he could benefit from a reduced workload, or is he just wired so much to be the starter and the guy that, you know, being a backup could be somewhat challenging for him? Well, I think initially I would have answered that I think that that could be a challenge for him. But, you know, as an athlete, um, you have to be someone who can be adaptable, and I think once a player gets to be, you know, his age, 
you start to have to accept certain realities. And, you know, I, I think as competitive as he is, um, I think if he had an honest conversation with himself, he would know that he can't be a number one goalie in the NHL anymore. So if he still wants to play in the league, which he obviously does, then he's going to have to adjust and take on a different role. And that means maybe changing his mindset a little bit, uh, maybe becoming more of a bit of a mentor. Not that Igor Shosturkin really needs that necessarily, but hey, look, he has won multiple Stanley Cups. Obviously, Shosturkin hasn't been able to do that yet. So it's not like there aren't some things that he can pass along, some wisdom. And I think, you know, if you want to believe what the Vegas Golden Knights had to say, that Jonathan Quick coming in was um, a great member of their locker room, not just for goalies, but for their entire room. And and so, yeah, I think from that standpoint, that's something that he could bring to the table that another veteran goalie that you bring in as the backup maybe doesn't offer. So I think I think Jonathan Quick, if he is, like I said, if he's honest with himself, he accepts the reality of what his situation is now, I think he's smart enough to understand I can still play in the league, I can still play for a relevant team, and I can still fill a role for this team. And because I'm older, uh, you know, my body can't do what it once did. Maybe this is the perfect situation for me to stick around and play for a team like like we've said, I grew up idolizing. So maybe this is while I while I thought maybe winning that one more cup would have been the perfect way for him to end his career, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the perfect way that he ends his career as a backup, as a mentor, as a veteran leader, and getting spot starts here and there and and hopefully still contributing to a team being successful. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, him kind of being a mentor to uh, to Aiden Hill and um, uh, Brisson, I believe, was the other goalie there before he got injured in the playoffs. And um, now, obviously, he'll have that role with the Rangers. And, you know, the Rangers have added uh, quite a few Stanley Cups to their locker room. Obviously, Barclay Goodrow is one, two. Jonathan Quick is one, three. Uh, Nick Bonino is one, two. That's the most Stanley Cups that they've had in their locker room in a long time. So I, I think that's a great point that you make there, Eddie. And, um, you know, I did want to ask also, um, just as far as, you know, him declining in recent seasons, I mean, is it just wear and tear? Is it just age? Obviously, you know, the Kings were down for a couple of seasons and they've kind of put the pieces back together the last few years here. Um, but yeah, just, just the reasons for what was, you know, a pretty sharp fall off from where he was. And Grant, he was playing at a legendary level, but from where he was, you know, to just where he's been in the last couple of seasons here. Yeah, it's a huge cliche in sports, but I guess if it's accurate, that's why people keep bringing it up. But, you know, father time undefeated, I, you know, he's always been, you know, like I said, the two major attributes that he had are his competitiveness and his athletic ability. Well, the competitiveness probably is still there, but the athletic ability, you know, it just erodes over time. He's a little bit slower, a little bit, you know, uh, slower in reacting to things, maybe a little bit slower in getting in and out of position. Uh, so, you know, in the NHL, these guys are so good. Just a little bit of a drop off can mean, a, a, you know, a big difference as far as the numbers that you're putting up. And I, I think that's just the, you know, the situation with Jonathan Quick. Um, when you rely on your athleticism as your, you know, one of your major attributes, then when you slow down just a little bit, it can it can mean a, a lot. So I think that's really the situation with Jonathan Quick. He's not quite the player he, he once was. He's not quite the athlete he once was which is understandable. If you play long enough, that's just going to be the situation, whether you're Tom Brady or Jonathan Quick. You know, eventually, even if you do, if, you know, if you're great over a long period of time, eventually, if you play long enough, it's going to happen. So I think that was the situation with Jonathan Quick. He was still playing for a pretty good team, uh, pretty good defense in front of him, but just didn't have that athleticism that he, he once had and, and then showed up in his numbers.
Yeah, I feel like it's such a fine line. Once you just slip even the the tiniest little bit, a lot of times that's all it takes. And, you know, you just don't necessarily, especially at a position like goalie, which is so demanding physically and mentally, you just don't look like the same player that you once did. I think us Ranger fans certainly saw that a little bit with Henrik Lundqvist toward the end. I mean, he always battled right till the end, and you always felt like he was going to give you a shot. But uh, the last, you know, year, two, maybe three, it's like, yeah, I don't know if this is Vesna winning Henrik Lundqvist anymore. And, you know, I mean, like you said, father time is undefeated, cliche or not. Obviously, there's a lot of truth to it. Um, so I did want to ask you, and you touched on this a little bit earlier. He wins the Stanley Cup with Vegas, and you mentioned that Kings fans were, you know, kind of split. Do we root for this to happen, or do we say, you know, he's already won his Stanley Cup, so we don't want to see Vegas win it? Um, first of all, you personally, did you want to see him win it uh, with Vegas when they were in the finals there? And if uh, if the Rangers make it back to the finals and they're playing anybody other than the Kings, are you rooting for the Rangers to lift the cup at the end of this season? Yeah, it's interesting, and I'll, I'll just equate it not just to me but to my household because my wife, her favorite player was Jonathan Quick, and her most hated team is the Vegas Golden Knights. So <laughs> she took the unique, uh, what do you want to call it? She took a very unique approach to how she accepted it or maybe didn't accept it. In her mind, Jonathan Quick retired. In her mind, he never played for the Vegas Golden Knights. She didn't acknowledge that he was on that team. She just kind of ignored it and pretended it didn't happen. That's a unique approach. Uh, for me funny. personally, I'm a little bit more old school. Um, no matter what you've done for my team, if you leave and you go to another division rival, I'm not rooting for you anymore. I, I, I won't go so far as to say I would root against you. I certainly would never boo you if I was at a game, but I can't, I can't do that. Uh, I, 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 I did not root for Jonathan Quick to win the Stanley Cup. I was rooting for, for the Florida Panthers, mostly because I was just rooting against the Vegas Golden Knights, but I, I, I couldn't bring myself to root for him. There were plenty of Kings fans who did root for him, and it, like I said, that did cause uh, some friction between fellow Kings fans because, like, how can you root for that team? And the other, you know, the Quick fans were like, well, how can you not, you not root for Jonathan Quick? So it was, uh, it was awkward. It was very, very yeah. awkward. But for myself personally, um, I wasn't rooting for him to win it. But I will say this, when it was all said and done, and Alec Martinez, another former King who Rangers fans know, uh, when he passed the, the cup over to Jonathan Quick in, in the celebration, it was hard not to feel good for him. So sure. while I didn't root for him, uh, I also did feel good for him to be able to have that uh, great moment for him and his family. And, and even if it did come with a division rival. That makes complete sense. And I think that a lot of times it depends on, okay, this guy's like no longer a King anymore. Or he's no longer a Ranger anymore. It depends on which team he goes to. Like if the Rangers don't win the Stanley cup this upcoming season, but say like the Minnesota wild make a deep run, like Matt Zuccarello is still over there. And I mean, he is beloved by Ranger fans. I'd love to see him win a Stanley Cup, especially after, you know, some of the injury things that he's gone through. Um, but then you get a situation like, you know, Carl Hagelin went to the Penguins and it's like, I can't root for the Penguins, man. Like I like Carl Hagelin and everything, but I'm not rooting for that team. And then when they do win the Stanley Cup, just like you with Jonathan Quick and the Knights, it's like, all right, well, there's my silver lining. At least Carl Hagelin got to lift the Stanley Cup over his head. So I totally get where you're coming from uh, when it comes to, you know, that situation, trying to root for somebody that used to be on your team that goes to a division rival. Um, and I figure, uh, we might as well go ahead and shift our attention to, uh, the Rangers and Kings in, in the off season, just talk about a couple of the trades that they've made, a couple of the additions that they've made to their team and what to expect for this upcoming season. And, uh, we will do that in just a second. 
All right, so to continue our discussion here with Eddie Garcia of Locked On Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Eddie, it's funny because I actually did a crossover uh, with Harrison of Locked On Jets not too long ago. Want to get some intel into Blake Wheeler, but obviously the other big thing that came up when we talked about you know, the offseason for both teams is uh, the big Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. He heads to Los Angeles. He's going to be there a long time, or so it would seem. Um, your thoughts on what was a blockbuster move? I mean, obviously, you know, they gave up a bit of a haul. Uh, to just run through it real quick, uh, Velarde, Iafalo, Capari, and a second-round draft pick. But they get Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, somebody with just immense talent. Your thoughts on was obviously one of the bigger moves uh, of the offseason for any team around the league. Yeah, it was pretty unexpected, to be honest with you. I think as Kings fans, we thought that they would focus on getting an established goalie going forward. Um, but I think they decided, and I've talked about, about this on my show the trend in the league seems to be not everyone can get an Igor Shosturkin, right? Not everybody's going to have that horse that can, you know, you know, that's your number one guy night in and night out. And I think more teams are looking to get a serviceable goalie like an Aiden Hill and build a really, really good team around him thinking you can get away with a good goalie, but you don't have to have a great one necessarily. If you can put a great team around him, Vegas, I think was an example of how that could be successful this past season, I think the Kings have adopted that philosophy in getting a couple of veterans, one that I already had on the roster in Phoenix Copley, bringing in Cam Talbot from Ottawa, who had a really good season a couple years ago in Minnesota. So they feel like they're good enough to be able to get by if we can build a good team around him. And I think that was part of the reason why they decided, let's go out and get a Pierre-Luc Dubois and solidify our team down the middle. They now have Andre Kopitar at the number one center, Pierre-Luc Dubois, number two, Philip Deneau, who's been very good for the Kings, slides down to three. So you look at you know uh, the core group of centers for the Kings, I think it stacks up favorably with any core group of centers in the NHL. And I think when you look at the division, Edmonton obviously still has McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're going to be very good as long as those guys are healthy. Uh, you've got Vegas, the defending Stanley Cup champs. Seattle, you know, I, I respect what they did this year. I kind of want to see them do it again before I'm a true believer. Um, but Vegas and Edmonton aren't going anywhere for a while. And that's the, the at least that's the Kings philosophy. So they felt like they needed to be proactive to go out and do something a little bit bold, maybe a little bit different to change things up. And I think that's what that's what their feeling was with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I get the um, the drama surrounding him where he's now on his third team and coming into his seventh season. And he's asked out of a couple of places, but he gets paid. He gets the team that he wants to join. So if he's not happy now here, then I don't know that he's ever going to be happy. And I will say this kind of looking into it, you know, even if he was quote unquote unhappy, it didn't affect his production. He was still a very productive player, even though he was allegedly uh, not all that happy where he was in his situation. So uh, if he's happy now, I would expect his numbers to be a little bit better, but Again, it was a surprising move for the Kings, but I think uh, I like them being a bit bold and going out and doing something a little bit out, outside the box uh, and not doing what everyone thought they were going to do, and that was to go out and get a goalie, but instead they decide to shore up the middle and be stronger, a stronger team that way. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, hearing you say that about Dubois because, you know, for a while there, obviously, you know, it feels like he's been on the trade block basically ever since he's come into the league up until right about now, basically. Um, but, you know, there was a while there where, you know, some Ranger fans were kind of pushing for, oh, man, they should make a move for Dubois. And I was always like lu lukewarm to it at best because, you know, to the point that you just made, 
it felt like, you know, he always kind of had one do- one foot out the door in Columbus and then kind of the same deal with Winnipeg. But you look at those situations, I mean, he's got Tortorella in his ear in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, if you're not like playing like a fourth line style of game under Tortorella, it feels like he probably doesn't like you very much. <laughs> and then with, with Winnipeg, I mean, that's long since been rumored to be, you know, one of the more, I guess, unsteady locker rooms around the league. So these haven't exactly been places for success, but... You know, again, he still put up points, and now he's with the Kings. Uh, I think there's obviously still great leadership on that team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's it's his third chance, so uh, I think it's uh, it's in his best interest to obviously, you know, play well and, uh, you know, embrace his surroundings there in L.A. Um, just kind of interesting to hear uh, your take on the whole Dubois situation. But um, you touch on the goalie situation as well, and I'm curious myself because you've got uh, Copley and obviously former Ranger Cam Talbot is there now. Um, in your estimation, does one of them have kind of like the inside track as far as who's going to get the lion's share of games? Or are they going to sell that themselves? Kind of a hot hand approach. Just uh, kind of your feelings on uh, you know how they might distribute the playing time there with those two. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's probably going to be Cam Talbot as the 1A and Phoenix Copley as the 1B. Um, you know, Copley uh, was very good in that role last season. I mean, he, look, he's a guy who kind of came out of nowhere, a career AHL guy. I'm not saying he's not a guy who wants to be a number one goalie. I'm sure he does, but I also think he's realistic that he's happy to be in the NHL and getting a contract. And, you know, this was a guy we thought was going to be the backup in the AHL last year. And then crazy things happened. Jonathan Bernier imploded. They had to send him to the AHL to try and find his game. They call up Phoenix Copley. And next thing you know, he gets the number one job and is not great, but is good enough. Kind of like what I talked about. Just get a good enough goalie who's going to make the saves he's supposed to. And, you know, if you've got a good team in front of him, that's usually you can get by with that. And the Kings did. So I think Cam Talbot is a, a guy who's talented enough to be a successful goalie. I think a couple of years ago in Minnesota, he had a great year and it left a bad taste in his mouth when they went out and got Marc-Andre Fleury. And suddenly he's starting in the playoffs and Talbot's like, you know what? I, I didn't deserve this. I want out. Goes to Ottawa. It doesn't work out there. So he gets a second chance with a much better team in front of him. And I think he's really hungry to to show that he still has some game left in the NHL. But I do think it's likely going to be a 1A, 1B situation. You know, both these goalies are not in their 20s. Uh, so there's going to be, I think, a shared net. But I think it'll be Talbot will be kind of the the one option. I would I, I'd see I could see him getting the start opening night, but I do think it is going to be a shared net this year for the Kings. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. And uh one more question I have for you about the Kings. I mean, obviously. Um, you know, there, there's been some turnover over the years for sure. And some of the guys that have been around for a long time, Jonathan quick included have since moved on, but you still got Dowdy. You still got Kopitar, uh, 33 and 35 respectively. And I believe they're the last two guys that are there from the two championship teams. Is that correct? They are, but they did. They actually, the Kings did bring back Trevor Lewis, uh, this season as a free agent. So he was on the two Stanley cup winning teams. So he has returned after a few years away, uh, so he comes back, and I know that was a you know the fans are very excited to see an old hero come back, albeit a fourth line guy, but a guy who can help out. And the Kings penalty kill is something that is a big focus for them this coming season. And he's a guy who can go out there and kill penalties, block shots, do that, do that kind of thing. So uh, he he is a guy that has come back. So there's actually three right now. That's awesome. And uh, just your thoughts on uh, specifically Dowdy and Kopitar. You know, obviously they've been there the whole time. Um, what's it been like, kind of? Uh, you know, seeing them basically carry on Kings hockey, they they went through a little bit of a downstretch there, but you know, now 
they're the grizzled veterans after winning the cup as you know young players and leading the way for for the new group of, of young players in the Los Angeles Kings. What's it been like, you know, just watching that whole thing unfold and them grow into these grizzled veterans and, and the leaders of this team? It's been really fun, especially Kopitar. He comes in and you're like, oh, this guy from Slovenia. Who? What? I don't even know where that is, you know? And it, it made him a unique player because, you know, that's not a place where a lot of hockey players come from. And then him kind of turning into this kind of, you know, Patrice Bergeron just retired, obviously, with the Bruins. And Andre Kopitar is our Patrice Bergeron, you know, a guy who has a great two-way game, who's just, uh, you know, a leader on and off the ice, a great representative of your organization, one of the all-time great kings. I, I, I don't know if it's controversial or not, but I had an episode this offseason talking about, I believe when it's all said and done, that Andre Kopitar will go down as the greatest L.A. king in history. And for me, it means a lot that a guy is drafted by a team and plays his whole career with the team and retires with that team. That's something that I factor into thinking about an all-time great. Obviously, he's been a captain now for many years, won two Stanley Cups, and the numbers speak for themselves. This year, he'll be the all, the, the most games played in Kings history. He's amongst, you know, top three and all the you know, goals, assists, and points, all those kinds of things. So um, it's been great seeing him turn into this, you know, legendary player uh, and just doing it, you know, the right way across the board. For Drew Doughty, you know, he's a guy, he loves to chirp. Uh, you know, he's he's an older veteran now, but he still has that passion and love for the game. Uh, you know, uh, he's got a smile on his face with the hockey smile, missing the two front teeth. Um, and he just, you know, he, he's, he's hungry still to win another cup. He really is passionate about trying to end his career with one more Stanley Cup. So, you know, it's great. As I mentioned, it's great to see them go from young guys to now veteran leaders uh, and now the like the pillars of the franchise. So, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. They've both done it the right way. Uh, and they're both all-time greats for the Kings. Absolutely. So, Eddie, I mean, I figure we can call it there, but this is a ton of fun. I believe our first crossover together, and uh, I did check the schedule. They play each other on December 10th at Madison Square Garden. So uh, if you're up for it, man, uh, we'll do another crossover, you know, pregame, postgame, whatever we want to do at that time. I'd love to do that. And I know I, I mentioned this, you, uh, this to you off the air that I'm going to New York for the first time this year. My wife is a the biggest Los Angeles, San Diego Chargers fan you'd ever want to meet. We take a road trip every year for her to see a team. We're going to see the Jets on Monday Night Football, and I was so excited to find out that the week we're going to be there, the Rangers will be at home on Thursday. I believe it's November the 2nd, hosting the Carolina Hurricanes. I've got my tickets already. I've always wanted to catch out a game at the Garden, and if you're able to be there, it would be great to meet you as well. I will do my best. We'll, we'll stay in touch about this for sure. And it'd, it'd be great to have a locked on, uh, you know, meet up here. And uh, my wife and I do have a one-year-old, but, you know, we can get away for a night and, you know, make make a night of it at Madison Square Garden. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And who knows, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll record a post-game show right outside Madison Square Garden there. Why not? That would be great. And you know what? Hey, if we could just meet and say hello, that'd be okay too, whatever it is. But uh, really thank you for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Of course. And uh, yes, we will absolutely do this again. And uh, Ranger fans, Kings fans, thank you guys as always for tuning in and we will see you next time.